Hey, Drew Dixon, back with you for another Bible Thump. Um, and I'm the chief content nerd at Love Thy Nerd. And uh, let's jump right into Mark chapter 5. So this is Mark 5, starting in verse 21. And just to set this up a little bit, like we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, and really what we're trying to do with this series is sort of ask three questions. Who is Jesus? What did he do? Why does it matter? Um, and I think we see some really profound things here about Jesus. So really, like, as I'm teaching this, I'm not trying to get every point that we could hit on, but I do want to ask those questions as we go. What does Mark tell us about Jesus? I mean, he's the most controversial, most profound, most loved figure in history, um, and yet probably the most misunderstood. So the goal really here is to let the best documents we have about Jesus tell us who he is, what he did, why it matters. Like, to let Jesus speak for himself from the best sources we have about him. And that's the Gospels. The Gospel of Mark is one of the earliest, probably the earliest that was written. So um, that's what we're doing. So Mark chapter 5, starting verse 21. This is kind of a long passage, but we got to read it all to get it all in context because it's all kind of one story. And it's another story about healing, but it's one of the most impressive, profound, um, like heartwarming stories of healing in the Bible. Um because when you understand what's really going on in this healing, two healings that are going to take place in this passage, we see a great deal about, about those questions. Who is Jesus? What did he do? Why is it a big deal? All right, so here we go. Uh, Mark 5, starting verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, My little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. Now a woman suffering from bleeding for twelve years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, If I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. At once Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, See the crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, Who touched me? But he was looking around to see who had done this. The woman, with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. Daughter, Jesus said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? When Jesus overheard what he said, what was said, he told the synagogue leader, Jairus, don't, let, don't, don't be afraid. Only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. And they came to the leader's house and saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. He went, and it went in and said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, but he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the little girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this, they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Okay, so um, again, lots going on here. 
uh, but let's hit the high points um, and talk about what this tells us about Jesus. So first thing I think we learn about Jesus here is that no matter who you are, Jesus wants the best for you. No matter who you are, Jesus wants the best for you. He doesn't pick sides. I think that comes out pretty early on in the fact that Jesus heads out to minister to someone, the family of someone, who um, he had been at odds with at times. Like, remember up to this point, a big theme in Mark's gospel, and really all the gospels, is Jesus' beef with the religious leaders of his day. Um, So we might get the idea that, like, Jesus is on the side of the poor, the needy, the vulnerable, the people who don't feel like they're welcomed in Jewish religion, the people who are, like, unclean or something. Um, And that's true. Like, Jesus is on the side of those people, and he does, in Mark's gospel, send aside with the broken, the marginalized, the oppressed, the poor. Totally, that's totally true. Um, But it would be wrong of us to think that he doesn't minister to, doesn't care about, never sides with, never helps, um, never shows mercy to religious leaders. Um, Even the Pharisees, the harsh words he has to say to them are always designed to bring them to repentance, to help them see uh, their need for Jesus, their need to repent, their need to turn to him and trust him. Um, Think about the parable of the prodigal son. That story is kind of, it was definitely um, intended to expose people like the religious leaders of, of of, of the day, people who trusted in themselves for their own righteousness, you know, people who whose trust was in their religious deeds. And that story ends with the father going to the older brother, so the Pharisee type, and saying, come, come to the party. Everything I have is yours. You're invited to the feast. Um, and so here we see Jesus uh, reached out to by a religious leader, uh, the head of of the synagogue or or one of the leaders of the synagogue, Jairus. And Jesus isn't like, hey man, I don't want to, I, I, I'm here for the poor. I'm not here for you. No, he goes with them and, and shows love to them. Um, so no matter who you are, Jesus wants a relationship with you. He wants the best for you. He's not picking sides. Um, if you've picked the wrong side in any particular subject or area of your life, I think you need to understand like you can't, uh, get outside of Jesus's love. Like you, you can't get yourself on the wrong side and not never be able to repair it. Like he wants a relationship with you. Um, I think we see that here. The second thing I want to say is that Jesus invites faith. Uh, that may seem obvious, but think about this. Like the more time you spend around Jesus, thinking about who he is, what he was up to, and and why it matters the more you're going to trust him. I think if we will honestly read these stories about Jesus and see the kinds of things he did, um, we, we, will, we will be invited to, we'll want, we'll find Jesus compelling and inviting. We'll find him warm and welcoming. We'll find him to be um, someone that instills faith in us. Um, think about this. All this woman needed to know was that Jesus could heal her. Um, being near to him, she trusted was enough, right? Like, she didn't know everything there was to know about Jesus. She didn't have a theology degree. She wasn't a religious leader. She just heard, this guy is healing people. And she's like, I've done everything I can to find relief from this horrible condition that I'm in, from this horrible um, situation. 
my body is failing me and it's causing me pain and difficulty and suffering. Like the type of suffering she was undergoing with this, this flow of blood would have made her unclean. So it would have ostracized her from, from other, other um, Jewish people of her day. Uh, it was a big deal. And she had heard Jesus could heal her and she believed it. And just being near to him was enough to give her hope. Um, and I think that's true of us. Like if we will set aside our preconceived notions for a minute and just say, I want to be near to Jesus in his word. I want, like if we were just pour through a book like the Gospel of Mark, um, I think you'll find Jesus really compelling and inviting in a way that will instill faith in you, in a way that will instill confidence in you, in a way that will give you give you hope on a more profound level than, than perhaps anything else. Um, all right, third thing, Jesus is far better than you think. He's way better than you think. He's way better than I think. Um, this woman thought very highly of Jesus. She thought he could heal her. She believed if I could just touch his cloak, I could be healed. But once she did that, and Jesus like doesn't just like blow it off and keep moving. I mean, by the way, he's off to do something pretty important to like heal this synagogue leader's daughter, and like this was a big deal. People were, people knew Jairus. Everybody in the area would have known him. They would have been excited to see what can Jesus do for for Jairus's daughter. This was a big deal, big picture miracle. But Jesus stops and says, "Who touched me?" <laughs> right? Like he doesn't just let it go. Um, he knows she's embarrassed to get his attention. She's too embarrassed to get his attention to like say, excuse me, sir, excuse me, Jesus. She she's, she's doesn't feel like she's capable of doing that. Um, and probably a lot of that had to do with the condition she was in. Like, again, this is someone who's unclean and she's probably hoping that Jesus doesn't know that he touched her because that would have been a big deal. Like now all of a sudden Jesus has got to go deal with himself being unclean because that was the way people thought back then. Like if you're touched by someone who's unclean, now you're unclean, especially if it was an issue with blood because... There were all kinds of laws and, and stipulations about, about blood in, in ancient Hebrew and ancient Jewish religion. So, um, yeah, this was a huge deal. This woman's unclean, and she would make Jesus unclean, and that would delay this whole process, right, of going and healing Jairus' daughter, which is a big deal miracle, which everyone was watching. Um, but he was looking around to see who had done this, uh, Mark 5.32 says, The woman, with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Um, so there's a lot going on there. Like One, it's kind of cool that this woman feels like it's safe to talk to Jesus and tell him the whole truth. And yet, at the same time, she's also full of fear and trembling. Like She thinks she's being called into the principal's office in a way. Like She trusts him that she can tell the truth, but at the same time, she fears his authority and power and worries that you know, I've made this, this man unclean now. And she's, you know, thrilled to be, to, to, to have some relief from her, her illness, but uh, also terrified. And I love the way Jesus responds to her. He doesn't say like, what's wrong with you? Like, why couldn't you, why'd you just touch me without saying anything? Like, why did you make me unclean? Like, there's part of, I think if you were an ancient Jew in Jesus' day, if you lived in the first century in Jesus' day, and you were a Jewish faithful Jew, you would read this story and go like, uh-oh, she's in trouble. Like, Jesus is going to let her have it. This is judgment time. But look what Jesus says. He says, daughter. He calls her daughter. He says, you're my child. You're welcome with me. You're welcome in my presence. And he says to her, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. 
and be healed from all your affliction. No rebuke. No, why did you touch me? No, why did you make me unclean? Um, now I got to go deal with my ritual purity. Um, it's just, daughter, your faith has saved you. Um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Jesus wants a relationship with you. He's far better than you think. Um, so I'd ask you to consider, what are you frightened or terrified about? That if Jesus knew, or, or um, what are you frightened or terrified about just in general when it comes to God and your relationship with him? Do you think of God as this um, terrifying deity in the sky that would zap you and burn you up um, if he, it, you know, if he, by the way, he does know everything, if he knew everything about you, but, you know, by the way, he does and he hasn't done that. That tells you something. But um, I don't know what it is. What are some of the apprehensions, anxieties you have about Jesus, about God? Um, let's take those and lay them at the feet of the Gospels, of stories like this one in the Gospel of Mark, and, and, and see if those fears are really valid, if they're really warranted. And what I think we'll find out is that they're, they're not. They're just not. He wants you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to make you well. Spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, Jesus wants to make you well. All right, last thing I want to say about Jesus is this is just really, really clear in this passage, and it's really beautiful, um, and that's that he has authority over death. This is, in many ways, kind of the central element of what makes the gospel good news is this promise of resurrection. And so Jesus is very deliberately um, making a statement with and it's a statement about his authority. That's been a big theme in Mark's gospel that we've seen as well. We've seen Jesus' authority over teaching, over the word. Like when he taught, he didn't teach as the scribes and the Pharisees, but he taught as one with authority. We've seen his authority over sickness, um, his authority over uncleanliness, his authority over religion. Like he doesn't just bow to what other, the scribes and Pharisees say you ought to do, but no, like he lets his disciples eat heads of crane on the Sabbath and all kinds of crazy things. And he eats with sinners and tax collectors because, um, because he's showing us the way God wields authority. He doesn't wield authority just to get people in line or to um, prove how great he is. He yields his authority in such a way that, that promotes our flourishing and our good. Um, so the promise that Jesus has authority over death is really good news because it says death is not the end for us. It's not the end of our story, but it also tells us that like God is for us. He's pro you and he's pro your flourishing. He wants you to have eternal hope. Um, and he doesn't wield his authority just to get you in line or to put you in your place or to show you how broken you are. Um, Sometimes he does show us how broken we are, but it's only because he loves us and he wants to offer us real hope. Um, but Jesus uses his authority in ways that bring life. So I think there's a call here for us, and really throughout the Gospel of Mark, to ask that question of like, if this is how Jesus uses his authority, what authority and power do we have? Like, what resources do we have? Who, who in our life do you have the power to make their life better or worse? And what are you doing? How are you using that power? Um, are you actively using your power to put people in their place and shut them up um, or to promote their flourishing? Do you use your power to get people in line with you because you're focused on you? Or do you see the power, whatever power, resources, authority you have in life over anything and anyone, do you see those as a means to love people and point them to the hope that is in Jesus. Um, 
hope you're seeing more about how beautiful and good and inviting our Savior is. How good and and pro you Jesus is. Um, and how much hope there is in the gospel and in the good news about him. That's it for me today. Thanks so much for listening to this, this episode of Bible Thump. We'll see you again next week.